Hi, before we get started today, a quick announcement. The second annual Canadian Advisor Tech Expo is being put on by the Financial Planning Association of Canada this year on March 14th to 17th. If you are a Canadian financial advisor or in management or an executive or just interested in what advisor technology is out there, I highly recommend you sign up. Tickets are on sale at advisortechexpo.ca. And now on to today's show. Hello and welcome to FinTech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, I have Tyrone V. Ross Jr., CEO and co-founder of Turnkey Labs. Turnkey Labs is a new fintech that's looking to solve the problem of crypto reporting within traditional finance. And with that, here's my interview with Tyrone. Tyrone, good to see you. Good to see you, my man. Take two. Yeah. Take two, yes. No one has ever heard the take one, actually. We'll make that an NFT. <laughs> That's it. It's the secret. It's the secret lost episode. It will be NFT. Okay. Anyway, so Tyrone V. Ross Jr. of Turnkey. Tell us about Turnkey. So Turnkey is an API suite that is geared to be an integrator, aggregator, and marketplace for all things crypto asset data. Um, the end goal is to harness the power of data and analytics to develop a more durable, equitable, transparent financial system. And our initial target market is one that I know well, um, which is the independent advisor space and the entire wealth management space. Because as I know, and we spoke about before recording here, just simple reporting on these assets are a bit opaque right now and siloed. So that's the problem we're looking to solve. So we're going to dive into that and discuss the three things you mentioned, integrator, aggregator, and marketplace in greater depth. But let's start off by talking about your story. Give us, uh, give us your history and what led to Turnkey. Yeah. So I started out doing or introduced to crypto rather and working with clients on crypto back in 2015 at Merrill Lynch and was getting tomatoes thrown at me in the advisor meetings at Merrill Lynch. Didn't talk about crypto then. And I'm like, all right, I got to get out of here. When my mentor was like, yeah, you're not you're not going to work with young clients and all that crap here at Merrill. So I fell down a rabbit hole and wouldn't let it go. And then eventually I left in 2017, started an RIA then. I'm with a partner of mine called Noble Bridge. And I was working with, again, young clients who own millions of dollars of crypto and just getting into this stuff. And I realized there were a bunch of problems. I couldn't custody. I couldn't bill. There was no reporting. I couldn't plan. I couldn't do any of these things. Which right? begs so, the question of how you actually ran an RIA with all those problems, but continue. <laughs> well, yeah, I patched it together, right? Shout to uh, Advice Pay and eMoney, sure. which, which was not liked by them to say the least, but I love the folks over at eMoney because they would manually input the crypto positions and they wouldn't update. So it would just stay there. And it was a very clunky experience. And I had to use some outside technology a company called Lumina, which was bought by BitGo was phenomenal, which is one of the companies that, to be honest, is a bit of an inspiration for Turnkey, but they were very early, but it was what I needed at the time. So that was kind of what I did. I kind of pieced it together. And it was also interesting. They were so used to doing with things on the app. I would actually have them open, like when they did have traditional assets, dinosaur bones, I would have (laughs) them open the accounts at Schwab through the mobile app. And then I would call Schwab and give them my master number and like link the account because they just hated the cumbersome account opening process. So yeah, I kind of patchworked it together. And then I obviously couldn't do AUM. So I had a subscription model. I had a retainer. It was like a flat. So I this was like years ago where I was kind of setting the foundation here of what advisors are going through now. 
And that was, but at the same time was having conversations with all of these companies now that are big and now small again, thanks to the crypto downturn. Um, it's winter now. Yes. Yeah. It is winter <laughs> yeah. now. So, but I was there very early trying to figure out custody, trying to figure out where the hell they were getting 10% yields from. How could I see these things or whatever? So it was very early on that path. And then just started talking about it on Twitter and, and other places. And then started doing a conference circuit and Josh Brown sent me a DM and he was like, look, man, you're the only one that's making sense of this, right? Like we're all scared to touch it, look at it, whatever. Mm. And, you know, went to his office, had a conversation with him. We filmed the video in Bryant Park, just went out there and filmed it. I think you need it like illegally. I think you needed a license. (laughs) We sat in Bryant Park, shot a video and it just went bonkers. And I just kind of picked it up from there. And the next thing I know, I'm on stage, a consensus, which is the crypto prom, Josh Brown, me, Mark Cassidy and Ari Paul, and I went nuts on the Bitcoin ETF. I still think it's stupid, but I digress. So that was kind of like the thing. I started to pick up a little bit of traction there. What a lot of folks don't know was prior to my last stop, I was at Eaglebrook Advisors. It was with, with Chris King, helped him start Eaglebrook, which is an SMA platform for crypto for advisors. And that was it. So left in 2019. And there's a little stint there. I know you've had Jason Wink on, who's a good friend. I did the human advice. I haven't yet. I need to get him on. He's definitely, yeah. I just, we just, I thought, back you, had, I thought you had Jason on. No, not yet. I've reached out to him before. I need to bug we'll, him again. We'll, but. We'll, we'll work that out for you. We'll work right. that out yeah. for you. Hopefully he's um, listening right now and reaches it out, but continue. Yeah, but, but he, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but he, I'll make sure he will. But did the human advisor podcast, learned a lot about the startup space, learned a lot about broker dealers and REAs and more through just kind of following Jason around and talking to advisors. And again, being an advisor myself, wirehouse baby, right? Came through the PMD program at Merrill Lynch. Shout out to all the PMDers that made it out. And then again, I get this opportunity with Chris King and was there for a little while. And then got the call from Eric Irvin about the previous opportunity. And yeah, that was August of 2020. And that was almost two years of building that from scratch, uh, him and I and, and a team of wonderful people. And yeah, part of it though, again, if you go back to what I told you, turn the vision for turnkey had always been in my head. I knew that building UI mm-hmm. immediately puts you in competition with everyone else that has UI. And advisors love dashboards. Clients hate them. They don't log into these things. They don't. And I also knew that I was very ardent at the fact that I knew I don't want to buy a $4 million condo and go across the street to use the bathroom. And especially for a new asset class. I want it in Orion. I want it everything in Adapar. I want everything in Black Diamond. I want everything in there. I don't want to have to go anywhere else. Well, it makes sense, right? I mean, this is where your other asset classes are reported. So like to have to use, you know, something else was akin to, well, going across the bathroom street to use the bathroom. You got it right. Yeah, absolutely. But if I get there though, man, it better be a really nice bathroom. It better be clean. It better be cold (laughs) showers, right? Like everything, a bidet, the whole deal. So, but still I got to have the tunnel back over, right? Just because I'm showered, I'm clean. I got to, you know, and that's what we were trying to do was get that data back. But there's still so much, as you know, you've done plenty of episodes about the issues of getting data, data transfer and aggregation integration done in this space. It's just still a labyrinth, very difficult. So anyway, so I was taking some notes and I, I always had this idea of like, man, if somebody could truly be, start out as the plaid, move to the stripe, 
and eventually become the Cisco, now we're really building the infrastructure layer that the space needs. And that's essentially where Turnkey came about. So I, I resigned in March and had a, a lot, bunch of conversations with folks and just kind of they're like, Tyrone, what's next? I'm like, well, I still, I'm not going anywhere, right? Like I, I wanna I want to see this through. And I started sharing the idea about turnkey. And they were like, yeah, I think that's, I think that's the thing. And quick caveat there. One of the things that I hate in our space is the jargon that is thrown around turnkey. We got to make it turnkey. We got to make it turnkey. And I'm like, oh, there's something there. Right. And I'm like, all right, let's change. So you hated it. So you named your baby after it. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So K to a Q, but literally like, let's try and make it turnkey. Let's make it easy and seamless so that crypto assets sit alongside every other asset. You can get real-time performance reporting, and you can see it on a statement. Imagine that. The subtle, small feature that is to an ounce to a client on the outside, yet the mountain of pain you have to go through to get to that level is just, yep. is just staggering. So yep. I want to go back a minute. Let's let's talk about your analogy of the plaid, the strike to Cisco. Like Walk me through what you mean by that and how it applies in this context. Yeah, absolutely. That's where you get the breakdown of integrator, aggregator, marketplace, right? So the plaid experience is just, plaid is everywhere, but you really don't know it, right? A way to have everything linked, right? Or attached, if you will, just in that Mm -hmm. sense, right? For a client to be able to link an account, for the client to be able to link a funding source and all these other things. So that part, just to be able to link things, build this true aggregator, right? Which is the second part. Now the Stripe component of it is this seamless, beautiful suite of APIs is very easy for you to plug in. 14, 16 lines of code, whatever it is, beautiful. Everyone raves about Stripe's API docs, but build a beautiful suite of APIs that anyone could use. And then it's just, we're there. It's seamless. It's easy. Developers love it. Clients love it. End users love it. Very easy. Cisco now, if you look at what Cisco started out as, right, it's just communication network, right? Just to build a community of communication. So this marketplace now that is going on in the crypto ecosystem, which is NFTs and Coinbase and BlockFi and Aave and all these other things. Advisors don't care about that. They don't want to care about it. I don't want them to care about it. But if I, again, if I log into Orion, I should have these pings that the client traded 150 times at Coinbase last month, and I could ask them about it. Or I see that a client moved money from Coinbase to I don't know because when the client got the ping from Turnkey, do you want your advisor to see this? Yes or no? Client said no. So now uh-huh. the advisor goes, hey, you moved money from Coinbase to where? I saw you declined. Why? Or the client says yes. Now the client see that the advisor sees the client move money from Coinbase, move money into Coinbase, bought ETH. The ETH moved from Coinbase to MetaMask. The MetaMask moved from OpenSea to buy an NFT. What is the cost basis, transaction data, state planning, financial of all of this, right? So that's what we want to do. And we want to spit that data and we want it real time. Hit an API, you get it real time. So now as an advisor, I'm not concerned with layer two side chains. I'll let Tyrone deal with that crap. But what I want is when I go to have a meeting with a client, I I want to say generate report. And now it pulls in next to everything else. Turnkey, right? Nice and easy. 
So now it's all in the statement for a client. It's all in a statement for me. Yeah. Which is not a small task, right? Because you're basically talking like the number of transactions you just talked about there. Transactions are one thing. Transactions leaving the place they're custodied to different places, including private wallets. Like now, now we're talking about something incredibly complex, right? Because yeah. it's, it's as if, how do we even acknowledge this? It's one thing to have like a purse with, with money in it, right? And you exchange bills for coins, right? It's always moving in and out, right? So it's always in that one place. But now you're basically saying, I'm also going to simultaneously change the location of that thing of where the money goes mm-hmm. while I'm also changing the format of what it is. Oh God. Yeah. You, you, yeah. The cost base, you're giving me a headache just thinking about the problem, <laughs> but again, a vitally necessary one. And if for anyone who doesn't think that, I mean, just, um, you should hear some of the conversations I've had about crypto taxation with people who are, who are trying to run businesses in this space. It's hilarious. Yep. Yeah. The CIO of my RIA spent nine hours, he's a CFP, he's a DeFi DJ and spent him nine hours to do his tax. And if you look at the data, the data shows between the 2019 and 2020 tax year, crypto transactions tripled, tripled, 362% increase. This, I mean, you cannot tell me that's not advisors, clients like it is, right? <laughs> so you should be able to see that data for no other reason and generate report. Please go see your CPA, like go, yeah. right? Or if there are advisors out there that are doing taxes for clients to go, Oh, all right. So you got a moon bird, but then you bought ETH at coin. Oh, God. Right. Like, is there transaction data from Coinbase? Yeah, but they don't give 1099s. They just gave me this little thing here, but I don't really. Oh, right. Like and that, as as you know, Mm -hmm. advisors are all about efficiency. I have 75 to 100 clients. I can't sit and help you with your taxes for nine hours or help you generate all of this transaction data so you can go see your CPA, which is part of what I told you I would help you do. But again, if it's turnkey, then I should just be able to generate a report and I have it and I can give it to you. Yeah, but it's, I mean, honestly, it's uh, it's amazing because it's such a fundamental issue, right? It's an absolute base level issue of just being able to track cost base and, and market value. Like those are the two things that <laughs> any reporting system is supposed to be able to do is what, yep. what did I pay? What is it worth, right? And the fact that that is this big of an issue, I mean, with rightly so, it's a complex fund, but I also think about the complexity you're, you're dealing with. Like, again, you're, you're monitoring location change while you're also monitoring cost base. And it's like, imagine the only corollary that works there is imagine someone changed the location, you know, transfer their IRA like multiple times per day and then yep. why the investments within like mm-hmm. it's 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 insane yeah so yeah that's that's a challenge so good luck to you thank you <laughs> excellent <laughs> and if anyone knows that space is you so it definitely I'm, I'm definitely just that would not something I would get involved in but I would support your effort second piece now you also said now you also started an RIA recent and yeah. this is meant to be your incubator talk about you know the, the feedback mechanism you're developing there between the RIA and and turnkey yeah so again advice to everyone out there that kind of falls on your knees after a business entity or something was wrong come back and start two companies that's really how you do it. <laughs> That's how you really come back. But the master plan, love punishment. Yeah, the, exactly. The master plan here was this though. I'd always wanted to build an RIA, right? Another term that is thrown around a lot similar to turnkey in our industry is next gen, the next gen investor, the next gen RIA. Nobody's building it. And I know it because again, I was traveling around the country and meet, you know, meeting all these awesome people and going to some of the largest RA platforms. I'm like, they don't have anything that I need. Like I really need to be on the bleeding edge of technology here and push buttons and push the space forward. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna do it myself. And the name of the RA is 401 Financial. The tagline for the RA is the next gen RA for the right now investor. And we'll be working with that 
25 to 45 year old segment, ideally in that hundred thousand to like 5 million segment. But I imagine we'll get, you know, some very wealthy crypto and, and startup based folks. So you're saying a hundred thousand to 5 million. So you're talking about what do you, you're talking about their net worth within a week, net worth. right? Cause like, yeah, hey, net, yeah, like net worth. no, no, but I'm saying like, it's going to, you know, that's what happens in the week. It starts at one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they'll, they'll walk in, they'll walk in as a client on a Monday with the 5 million net worth. And then by the end of the week, it'll be a hundred thousand. <laughs> so yeah, um, there we go. So yeah, it'll be, obviously it will be very crypto forward. It's planning only. If you don't plan, we don't work with you. It's flat fee, right? There's no AUM. And we're going to work with those with zero to a hundred as well, because everyone knows that's near and dear to my heart. So if someone can't uh-huh. pay us, we're going to give them a virtual family office experience like all of our clients are going to get. So super excited about that. And folks are so excited about it. I may even take on investors for that. There are a lot of folks that are asking, could they invest in the RAA? So I may do that, have some silent partners that'll back us, become some of the cool initiatives that we want to do and have some really cool partnerships there that will be announcing soon. The official launch for the RAA is September. But it's the main thing is to also be an incubator for turnkey. So as I'm building the, the stack now, the technology and the, and the client experience, I'm also pointing out to the folks that we are working with that there's gaps. And turnkey, the goal is to fill those gaps. And what we want to show and be very transparent and say, hey, here's what the experience looks like before turnkey. Here's what the experience looks like after. And one of the things that I, I knew I wanted to do this time around with my startup that I didn't do last time was have customers before you launch. So, <laughs> and again, I think the whole team did a previous job, did a wonderful job at the, at the previous gig, but it's just, this is the way it's done and done with the way where you're getting feedback. You have wonderful critiques in areas of, of you know specificity with which to build. So the CIO, Eric Smith, myself, um, my niece, who has the responsibility of jumping between turnkey and 401, are really integral in giving feedback in real time of what we would need on the RAA side. So we'll be the very first client, obviously, but the goal for turnkey is we're selling B2B, right? We're going directly to the platforms, not to the advisor. But for me, it was just a good use case to be able to show everybody what's missing and what the data looks like when it's complete. So, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. It's the, you know, Amazon play of being your own first customer, right? It, yeah. You know, it's his first customers, Amazon. Yeah. You know, they're, they want to get in the groceries. So, you know, they had their great distribution logistics. Hey, let's buy Whole Foods, right? So it yep. uh, makes yep. a lot of sense, right? Because that, that feedback mechanism, it's, you know, it's definitely better and more real time than it is to just yep. rely on customers, especially when like you're dealing with people like yourselves who understand it at a very high level, right? You can explain where not only, not only, hey, this ain't working, but here's why it's not working or where needs to go right so it's it's a it's a very different experience that way so like so many other founder you know advisor led fintechs out there so i want to touch on a couple of things that are side notes here but besides the i love the fact that uh, stocks and bonds in your world are dinosaur bones i find that hilarious you said you went nuts on crypto etfs talk to me about your thesis there and why that's the case where to start man we don't have enough time <laughs> i will say this i get it now right hmm. like advisors want an easy button and i understand that which is why i've been trying to build solutions right it's just I can buy it. It's qualified custody. It's a SEC approved. It's just there. Right. So I get that part from an infrastructure standpoint. I get that. Still think it's stupid, but I get it. We don't need it. So that's the thing. It's like, even if that's the case, we don't need it. With that, there's a few things to it, especially because it's taken so long. Meanwhile, we're getting all these other investor protections, Gary Gensler, but we have, you know, you can short the Bitcoin futures ETF. We've got futures ETF. It's a, it's a joke, but they see the CFTC is being regulated. They see the exchanges is not. So a spot, again, it's not coming. But in the meantime, mm-hmm. 
There's 90 million accounts at Coinbase. There's 20 plus million accounts at Robinhood. There's 50 million accounts at Cash App and 10 million of which trade Bitcoin. We can go on and on. Clients are buying it. Folks are doing it away from the advisor. And it's just to create this bifurcated experience. Second, <laughs> third thing is I am a purist. I am a purist in the sense that I believe in crypto assets and crypto networks for those who grew up like me. It had to operate outside the traditional financial system. And ETF you're old school lawyer saying in a new in a new school asset class, you're the old school guy. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's like <laughs> the so let's take this beautiful, elegant 24-7, 365 asset class and stick it inside of this product that stops trading every day at four o'clock. Like it, like what are we doing? Again, it's it's taking wonderful technology and sticking it inside of a dinosaur bone. We don't want to do that. That's not the point. We want to break out of that. And I, and I understand folks feel a way about 24-7 trading and everything else. I'm not here to debate that. What I'm here to debate is putting it in an ETF doesn't benefit the people that I fight for. An ETF is only going to benefit the people that are very upset that we don't have one. Privileged, wealthy, elite people who don't need it, right? Well, I mean, so let's also acknowledge one thing. Is there an ETF that only holds one security? Right. Like, this is the thing. There is no Apple ETF, right? Like, at the end right. of the day, if we're going to acknowledge that this is something that should be traded as a security or whatever the heck it is, then frankly, a pooled fund for it makes no sense. It's on a solo play. Now, you want to create a diversified portfolio. There's an argument there to some degree over management, whatever, but a pure, like, I'm just going to buy Ethereum. I'm just going to buy Ethereum. I'm just going to buy Bitcoin. Yeah, it's a failing, of the, it's a failing of, the, of the infrastructure more than anything else. Yeah, agreed. And to that point, right, it's clear that Gensler doesn't believe that, and we all know, right? They said Bitcoin and Ethereum are commodities, essentially, mm -hmm. right? They're non-security. He doubled yep. down on Bitcoin. They're still, but even with that, they don't have really good purview over the silver and gold markets either, but we got sure. one of those. And again, it took forever for a copper ETF, right? But again, will we get it? Sure. Will I melt down? Absolutely. But <laughs> I, you know, it, we, <laughs> we don't need it. And we're going to get it because Wall Street loves money. And so does D.C. Fair enough. Good stuff. So uh, and I speak from a country where we do have spot Bitcoin and ETS, for the record. Yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we do. Good stuff. Man. So basically, you've established this new, uh, you know, you've established this new company. You've basically got your first client at the same time. Where do you see this going from here? You know, this is just the beginning, right? Like you're, you're establishing just the you know, reporting structure at this point. You've got your, you got your, your company basically to, to test all this and make sure the, the APIs work and provide feedback. Where do you want to go next once you've come? Conquered this territory. So I think the, the next part is, is two-pronged. One is to develop some type of risk management, risk scoring for the space as well, hmm. which I think is still missing. So develop that out. And that will be part of the second part of our MVP. And then the other part is to go beyond wealth management, because I feel like all the financial services should be using this, right? Broker dealers, because they can't touch it. So you might as well see what's held away. Wirehouses. But I also think there's a point where couple things. One, the SEC could use this for pure visibility into what's going on. There's absolutely an estate planning tsunami that is going to happen in crypto where there's a $20 million estate and the family's going to walk into court and say, well, he has it at Coinbase. I'm like, well, yeah, there's 5 million at Coinbase, but the other 15 million is here, 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 here. And they should be able to use turnkey to pull all of that data up transactions, uh -huh. right? Cost basis, everything else. Like that's the end game here. So we should be able to go anywhere, track down cost basis with finality, right? And precision. And I think now we're talking about a global financial resource as opposed to just 
knocking on the door of, of RAs to, to start things off. So before we wrap up, there's three questions I ask everybody. I'm going to ask one in addition is what happened to your cupcake uh, aficionado stance on, on Twitter for anyone who follows TR. <laughs> yeah. You would know that, uh, that, uh, you know, sprinkles cupcakes feature as a weekly profile and lately yeah. he hasn't been showing up. Yeah. <laughs> so, for, so for folks that don't know, like I am an absolute health nut, but I'm also a sugar addict. So, and I love cupcakes. So there was a moment there where I was doing cupcakes every Friday. So I told myself that I would take a month off and then a month turned into me traveling and I couldn't get there every Friday anyway. And then I'm a month out, like usually like six to eight weeks out from my birthday, I start to diet down really heavy. So I'm not having mm-hmm. much of anything right now, but once my birthday comes, so from August to the end of the year, you will guaranteed to you see know, a lot I, of I cupcakes. Was just- I was just using it as a proof of life, right? Like I was worried for a while there. Right? <laughs> no, I'll be back. I promise. All right. With the, with the vengeance. Okay. Back to serious questions. Okay. So three questions I ask everybody. So first thing, if you had one wish for something to change in your company, the industry as a whole, what would it be? That everyone knew how easy it was to work with people who don't fit the actual profile of a wealth management client. Excellent. So expand on that a little bit, right? Like, tell me what. So, so basically, what I mean by that is the trope is well, we got to serve the $50 million folks so we can subsidize working with the people with $50. You don't have to do that. It's very easy to provide the same type of services. Again, shout the Facet Wealth and then some, some other folks that are working on this. I wish folks would make it a focus and that we were geared towards making sure those at the bottom were a part of the rising tide lifts all boats, if you will. But again, that's something what we want to show with the RAA is that working with those folks can scale. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I get frustrated because I have that argument a lot in this country too. It's just like, that's just a failure of unit economics. Like at the end of the day, you're not saying that the revenue is not high enough. You're saying your cost is too high. Exactly. Right? So how, how yeah. do you tackle that? Right. Like, so it's like, it's like everyone wants to forget that that part of the equation exists and it's only, mm-hmm. it's only a revenue issue. Meanwhile, Agreed. I mean, imagine you can drop the cost by 40, by, by 75%, hypothetically, how much more profitable would yeah. those clients be? Such as like, all right. The second question for you is uh, what's been the biggest challenge in getting the company to where it is today? And I recognize that you are new at this, well, new at this, new at this and this venture specifically, but what's been the early stage challenges you've been facing? The market environment. Um, <laughs> the market environment. It is It is smoldering ashes. It is bad. The sentiment is the worst I've seen it. So to have to start a new company, raise capital. So you got to convince customers, you got to convince capital, you got to convince folks to join your team. That's the hardest part. It is like, it's bad. But for those of us that really are in the space and look, there's so many glimmers of hope. The best teams will survive. It's cockroach mode, right? Best teams will survive. Wonderful companies will be built. Airbnb, go back to 07, 08. So great companies will be built here. But the hardest part is the environment has been very hard to overcome. Very, very hard to overcome. Yeah, well, it's uh, your timing is uh, is awesome. I mean, yeah. it's uh, you know, what can I say? As for coming from a guy who basically started his financial planning practice in two thousand late two thousand seven, I feel for your timing, man. <laughs> <laughs> and the last question is, what excites you the most about what it is you're working on? It keeps on getting you up in the morning every day to keep on fighting the good fight that is entrepreneurship, given the ups and downs it's already provided you. Being an advocate for change and just seeing seeing what's in your head, not in reality yet. 
is just emo- like the minute my feet hit the floor, I'm like, let's go. Who do we need to talk to? What do we need to build? Where do we need to go? What do I need to learn? So what I've had in my head for years still does not exist. And I'm talking to people and I'm experiencing myself now that these pains are still there. And then the other part of that is, and people know this, if you know me, you know what I'm about to say is that once we can get crypto to get away from all the hype and the chicanery and mainstream, it's going to help so many people. And it's just too much crap right now that is not really focused on bringing more users into it. But let's just find these hundred thousand people that are using this, give them a token and just have them trade it and it will give them yield. And right. We got to break out of that and get more people in. So that's what motivates me because I know that if I'm successful at this, it will give me a broader platform to fight for those who really could benefit from te- this, this technology. And the truth is, it's not me. It's not you. We have multiple ways to pay, multiple ways mm-hmm. to invest, right? All these other things, dinosaur bones are never going anywhere. So we have to make sure the disaster class is going to be around and is not by kicking the ball to each other in the frigging crypto metaverse. Crypto metaverse. <laughs> I feel like if you launched a company like with, it, with that name, like a year ago, you would have been through the roof in the first week. <laughs> yeah, 100, 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. million dollar round at a $5 billion valuation, for sure. That's it. It's like, I remember I did a case study back in the day in the competition and the company's name had an E and a dot com in it. And I was like, oh man, like money would have just been raining from the sky back during the, do- oh during the dot com bubble. Anyway, my friend, Tyrone, greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you for having me on and grateful for you as always for being such an advocate for the space. And like I said, I love your pod and appreciate my opportunities. Give you my two Satoshis, my friend. Two Satoshis. (laughs) And best of luck with the new venture, my friend. Thank you, my man. So that was my interview with Tyrone V. Ross Jr. of Turnkey. I hope you enjoy that. And if you are looking to have your reporting on crypto not suck, you pretty much need to turn to take a look at Turnkey. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca.